The old adage goes, we are what we eat. And perhaps we're also how and when we eat. Food holds an integral but complex place in our lives. It can satisfy physical needs, provide a sense of security, lift our mood, express feelings of special attention, or even punishment. All the messages about good nutrition center on a balanced diet, but sometimes it's hard to find the right balance, not only in our diets, but our lives, and in the many competing messages on what is really good for us. Today on Shat Shat, we have Mrs. Julian Rowe, a registered nurse and registered dietitian with over 16 years in dietetic practice. Mrs. Rowe holds a degree with honors in nutrition and dietetics from the Robert Gordon University in Scotland. She's worked as a nutrition officer at the Glebe Polyclinic in Barbados, where she served for 10 years, earning awards from the Caribbean Food and Nutrition Institute in Jamaica. In 2013, she started her own private practice as a registered dietitian and has authored three cookbooks, which form part of her What Can I Eat series, which aims at modifying Caribbean recipes so that they can be healthy and tasty. In 2015, Julian founded Bajan Diet Designs, Inc., whose mission is to create a healthy lifestyle for a lifetime. She's passionate about helping her clients achieve their best quality of life. Welcome, Julian, and thanks for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. So maybe we can start with what is the work of a dietitian and how is that different from, say, a nutritionist? Right. The work of a dietitian is very complex mm-hmm. that's yourself and the reason I say that is because you are working with persons to treat particular illnesses um, that some may be related to lifestyle change or some may be related to other aspects um, of a person's um, body etc um, and because of that it takes time and time is usually uh, one of those factors that people do not have a lot of. And that's why I say it is very, is very complex. So what a dietitian does is we look to treat various um, challenges like diabetes, high blood pressure, um, kidney, kidney um, challenges, kidney disease, We are also looking to treat things like digestive challenges like heartburn, um, gastroesophageal reflux, um, or GERD. Uh, We're also looking to treat challenges in terms of anemia, all those medical conditions that have some kind of nutritional component attached to it. So you are not treating one thing you're treating a wide variety of different diseases in a person's body. Okay. You mentioned, as you said, that you deal with people who may have issues of diabetes, hypertension, that kind of thing. Is that what usually brings people to your office? Or do you find you also get, you know, some people come in there who, as you say, maybe just want to lose weight? Or is it usually a medical concern that brings them to your office? Well, yes, I get both sides of the coin, because I have persons who are referred from physicians for various medical conditions. And then I have persons who may come to the office because they want to lose weight, improve their quality of life, or they may simply just want to learn how to eat healthy, also to improve quality of life, improve immune system, etc. 
So I do get a variety of different persons um, coming into the office for different reasons. Okay. What would you say is the biggest challenge in maybe Barbados, the region related to healthy diet and good nutrition? What would you say is the biggest challenge? I think one of the biggest challenge is that we haven't quite recognized the importance of food as medicine. Mm -hmm. We still see food as just something to have because we're hungry. So because it is to just stop the hunger, we don't focus on the fact that food has significant medicinal benefits attached to it. And that is one of the challenges that I find is to try is to try to get persons to recognize, okay, you're not just eating because you're hungry. You actually do need to eat because the food can heal you. It can repair. It can do a lot of different things. So looking at your food choice is really important rather than just taking up something and say, okay, I'm, I'm okay now. I'm not hungry anymore. Okay. Um, do you think, well, that, that's an interesting perspective. Do you also feel that maybe cost is an impediment to people managing a healthy diet or maybe there are ways around that? Well, you can't dismiss cost, but I deliberately did not say cost first because I know that that's usually what we always focus on the cost. And the reason I didn't mention cost as a as a big factor is because I always find there's a way around it. It, okay. it still comes down to if you have $20, how are you going to spend this $20? Most of the time, um, the first factor we'll think about is buying the things we like, the things that taste good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So therefore, we are going to go to those types of food. We are not necessarily going to say $20 let's buy the foods that give me the best health because the foods that give you the the the, the best nutrients can actually be the full that that the foods that keep you full as well and they actually do taste good but okay. again it's not what we would normally do okay so in Barbados we all know the harmfulness of non-communicable diseases on the individual the society and the economy uh, what do you think is required to make a real impact in this area? What what can we do or what should we do to encourage more healthy eating? Grow more healthy foods. Let's start with that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Be- because we know that there's been, um, we've had a lot of people encouraging persons to eat food closer to home. Eat, buy foods that are growing in your, in, in your, in your country because foods that travel far, they lose the nutritional value of, over a period of time because they pick early, they're stored for a long period of time, etc. So you want to encourage people to eat foods that are closer to home. But the only way they can eat foods that are closer to home is if the food is being grown in the in the country. Okay. So we need to start looking at producing more foods of a higher quality and making it readily accessible so persons can say have healthier foods. Yeah. Okay. Then when we produce the healthy foods, we have to look at the preparation of the foods. Because the food could be healthy growing um, in, the, in the home, growing in the country. But then when we prepare it in a way, then we reduce the nutritional value of it as well. So we have to look at food preparation, which is another thing. And then our population is accustomed to eat in a particular way. Our taste is a big factor. Yes. Taste is a very big factor. 
I agree. Convenience is a very big factor as well because time or lack of time becomes something that you hear quite a lot. People don't have time. So if you don't have time, you know, then you're not going to be looking to prepare the food. You're going to be looking to buy the food. Yeah. So all of those factors will then influence our chronic illnesses because you know that most of the chronic illnesses have a lifestyle link to them and a dietary link to them. So it goes back to what are you putting into your body and what benefits are you going to get from the food that you, you choose to eat and, and in terms of the foods, how you prepare the foods, etc. Okay. So you made a good point about food as medicine. Traditional cultures and Western medicine seem to align on that view that food is medicine and that much of what ails us can be linked to what we eat. Do you think that our diets have shifted too much to seeking nutrients and vitamins in like health supplements rather than in food? Well, I think the science is there to support the fact that our diets have shifted really too, too much and in the wrong direction because all the science is there to show us that if we can make healthier choices and not choose, not just make a choice, but prepare the food in a healthier way, that it can help to improve our quality of life. That's what I do every single day. I help persons to make best choice when it comes to food, help them to look at the best combinations of food, help them to look at the best preparation method of the food. Because when you consume that food, you want to make sure you're getting the benefit of the food. So all of those things have to be taken um, into consideration. Food as medicine has been documented even before my time. So the the documentation is there that food can be used as medicine. In terms of persons turning to supplements, again, uh, there's another trend of thought that we are losing the nutritional value of our, our, our soil. So hence the food we prepare, um, food that is grown is of lower quality. So therefore, we're not going to be getting the nutrients we're supposed to be getting from our food. So the next best step is supplementation. Okay. But then there's also the train of thought that supplementation and supplementation is just that it's supposed to be added to complement. It's yeah. not supposed to be used on its own as a sole source of nutrition. You know, then the, the next train of thought is supplementation cannot provide you all the different nutrients you need. Because when you buy a supplement, you might find that it does not have a hundred percent of a particular nutrient, it might only have 45%. So it means that you still have to find another source to give you the remainder of what the supplement cannot give you, which is why the two go hand in hand. Okay, that's good. So more recently, gastrointestinal health and moods have been closely linked with researchers starting to label the gut as the body's second brain. So it stands to reason that a significant part of managing mental health is in the gut. What would you say is the role of dietitians in managing mental health challenges? You know, whatever they may be, eating disorders, anxiety, depression, whatever they may be. Well, the the evidence or the science is still not conclusive on that. So they're still looking to do more research to determine the role of the gut in terms of mental health. Before we definitely say, yes, there is that connection. 
we still have to make sure that we're eating healthy to get all of the nutrients from the food to make sure that the gut is healthy because the gut is not only going to be linked to your, your brain function, it is linked to the overall healthy workings of your body, your immune system, etc. cetera. In, in terms of the gut health, yes, they're showing that, you know, eating healthy does help to, to boost our natural happy pill, which is our serotonin levels as well. But again, because the evidence is not conclusive, it's still a matter of just eating healthy because we know that there are other functions that will come from making sure that the gut is, is healthy. Okay. The other thing that comes to mind when I think about the topic of food is dieting. You know, there always seems to be a new fad diet each year, keto, intermittent fasting, you know, some cleanse. I'm just wondering what is sustainable? What really is the best method for success? Right. Well, as a dietitian, my motto is healthy eating for a lifetime. So usually what I'm always saying to folks is think long term. Because when you're, use, when you're saying diet, and I try not to use the word diet, I always look at healthy eating. Okay. When you're saying diet, you're looking at a short-term, a short-term fix for a long-term challenge. So yes, most of these things will work for a couple of weeks, but you'll find that most of them are not sustainable long-term. So which means somebody will do keto for eight weeks, then they'll stop, they'll go back eating normal, they'll regain the weight that they may have lost. And then they'll get fed up with that. And then they'll go back to keto or then they'll go back to something else. So they're going to be looking all the time for a new fix or a long-term challenge. So that mm-hmm. is why I focus on getting persons to look at healthy eating, to look at the behavioral changes. Do you cook? No. What about start back cooking? You know? Yeah. What about meal planning? Look at meal planning, you know? identify the areas that challenge you and try to fix those so that when you create the weight loss, you then have the behaviors in place to help you to maintain the weight loss that you're going to work so hard for. So yes, people will always be looking for a quick fix or quick diet, but I think we know by now that there's no quick fix to these long-term challenges. It is about making adjustments in your lifestyle and addressing the challenges so as to improve on them so that you can lose and maintain. Yep. Okay. Healthy eating is, I would say, a challenge for, I guess, the average person, for most people. Why? (laughs) I don't know. As you said, a lot of it is about taste and what we're accustomed to and time. Yeah, Uh, but you see, but but the thing about it is this, It comes down to the decisions you make or the choices you make. At the end of the day, if you have only $30 to work with, just because you have $30, it doesn't mean that you cannot eat healthy for $30. But I think it goes back to what we define as as healthy eating. Because to me, healthy eating is pretty much just working with what you have. Hmm. Okay. So whatever you have, you can work with it and create healthy eating. Whether you're going to look at healthy eating as, okay, I'm going to start with portion control. So straight off, you still have the $30 to work with, but you're looking at how can I get my portions correct? Yeah. yeah. And then you and then you build on that foundation. 
you might find, okay, I can only afford to spend $10 a week on vegetables. So what is in, what is available? Well, I can spend money in okras, I can get spinach, or I can get some lettuce. It's whatever you have. You just make it work for you. And then you figure out as you go along and how you can incorporate some of the other things that you would like to incorporate um, in, into your, your, your meal planning. Okay. As you were talking, I was thinking about what support, you know, people need for these kind of things. So technology seems to infiltrate much of our lives now. And, you know, even mm -hmm. managing nutrition and healthy eating with apps and, you know, like Noom or smart scales, because you talked about portion control and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Do you think mm -hmm. these things are helpful in keeping us on track that they have a, that they can be helpful in achieving the goals we want to achieve? The challenge with using some of these um, technology is that people initially get them to help to make the process easier to support themselves. And then these things end up frustrating the people. <laughs> so somebody will buy a skill with the intention of, well, I'm going to change this and I'm going to check. And then they get on the skill every single day. They, they're not seeing what they want to see. And then blood pressure gone up because they're stressed, right? So these things start off with good intentions, but then somewhere along the line, things get a little bit very or a little bit out of hand. So yes, technology can play a part, but you've got to remember that's the technology. You still have got to put the behaviors in place to allow the technology to help you. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's a good point. You know, perhaps it is that we need to change and manage our relationship with food and our bodies you know, even if we're using this technology. Exactly. Then we're, everybody's happy. When you step on the scale, you see what you want to see, you're happy, you get off, and that motivates you to keep doing what you're doing because you see that it's working. But if you're not making the changes and you're stepping on the scale and you're not seeing what you want, then you're very, very frustrated. And the more frustrated you get, the more you continue to, to do what it is you were doing before because you convince yourself, Nothing is helping. Yeah. I buy the skill to help me and it's just not helping me. Yeah. You have to look at how you're going to help the skill. Okay. I mean, outside of technology impacts, you know, do you expect diet and nutrition to change in the future? Maybe, you know, as people become more environmentally conscious and we face challenges regarding, you know, food scarcity and everything else, will we all become, do you think we'll all become vegans and shift to plant-based foods or not necessarily? I don't think we all need to become vegans <laughs> and we will not all become vegans. <laughs> I, you know, as much as um, the evidence is there to support the benefits of a plant-based diet, plant-based choices, not everyone is going to eat just plant-based foods. We still like to have some meat. What I always say to my clients is this, try to have some days where you can just have a plant-based meal or two, or maybe have a plant-based day. So okay. sometimes swap out some of the meat and just have, let's say, do a black bean salsa or do a lentil roast or, you know, do a, 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 some, a black eye pea stew or kidney bean stew. So, but again, because we are, for the most part, meat eaters, it's a change and these things take time. But yeah. it also goes back to the point of if you're, if you're working on a budget, if you only have a certain amount of money to work with, Taking out meat for a day and replacing it with peas or beans is a great way to help manage your budget. That's true. 
And it's also a brilliant way to get in a lot of the other antioxidants and other nutrients that you would need as well. So you get the best of both worlds. But again, it is a change. It is something new because we know that to serve someone a, 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 a plate of food and no meat, you know, it's not food. Uh, it's true. Because <laughs> it's, it's not complete for us. Yeah. So we would have to try to work around this new way of thinking. And, and it takes time. And as you, as you mentioned just now, circumstance might even force your hand. Yes, yes. Because if we don't have it, we, we've got to work with what we've got to work with, you know? That's so, true. Who knows? So lastly, uh, you know, you started talking about recipes and that kind of thing. Where can we get your cookbooks? And what would you say is your favorite recipe? Ooh. Now, let me answer the first question. Where can you get recipe books? The recipe books are sold at our office, Beijing Dat Designs. We are in Medford Craft Complex with Halston Michael. Okay. 425-8593 is the office number. Some of the books are also in bookstores, but you know bookstores have not been open, open consistently yes. for a while. They're also at the airport as well. But the best way to obtain one of the publications is to call the office and uh, make an appointment to come in and collect the, the publication. Okay. In okay. terms of my favorite recipe. Yes. I love them all. Yeah. So it's <laughs> hard to say that one stands out because they're all, they're different. They're the, the savory ones, you know, curries and fiesta chicken chili. And then they're the, I can't say sweet, I'll say tasty ones, like the banana walnut muffins and the oatmeal coconut bread. I love them all. I, I absolutely love them all. And I, I cook them all and I bake them all. Okay. So if you don't have a favorite recipe, what is your favorite thing that you like to eat? Or is that also difficult? <laughs> no, I can tell you what I absolutely love to eat because it's something that I try to eat every single day. I love stir fry kale with my spinach and my bora beans and my tomatoes and my onion and my garlic and chives, all of that stir fry together. And I love to have that with a little bit of plantain um, or sweet potato. And that's my breakfast. Okay. All right. Good to know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks so much for joining us today, Julian. Um, certainly you have given us plenty of food for thought. And I mean, as a self-professed foodie myself, I am looking forward to trying some of these recipes. So I shall let you know, you know, how I do. Yes, please try them and let me know what you think of them. Feedback is welcome. So when we publish the next set of books, we will know, okay, well, make this adjustment here because it works better. All right. I, I look forward <laughs> to that and I'll let you know. Thank you so much. I thank you very much. It's been fun. Thanks so much for listening and joining me under the Shack Shack tree this season. It has been chock full of gems and provided us with plenty food for thought. We look forward to meeting more interesting women when we start season three on May 12th. Subscribe and rate our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and many more. Stay connected on IG, Facebook, and Twitter, or by email at achilleatshackshack.com. Let's continue to shake things up. <laughs>